0: Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck. This week, I sit down and interview Endless Atlas after their live performance in our studio. Last week, you should listen to that live performance first if you didn't check that out yet, or you can watch it on YouTube. It's on Lower Gentry Studios' channel. I sit down, interview Dale, who is Endless Atlas. It's a one-man band, about his musical influences and how he does his live looping. It's kind of a cool tale because he's an electrical engineer, so that looping software that he uses in front of people is one that he programmed himself. Enjoy our conversation. How would you describe your sound, like the music that you make?
1: Oh, that's always tough. Um, The best I've come to is, is I could got it down to four words. So I usually say, Indie Electronic Dream Pop. Does that make sense? Does that... Yeah, (laughs) I dig it. I dig it. Who are your influences? Oh man, all over the place. I mean, um, going back, um, I would say like, Radiohead and, like, uh, The Beatles, you know, is probably my earliest memory of music, and, like, they stuck around. I know that's it's not super original to say, like, plenty of people like The Beatles, you know, but um, they definitely stuck with me. Um, I, not to say that, of course, that I sound like either of those bands, but it's it's a mishmash of a lot of things. Um, I like Monty Ver a lot. Um, a lot of uh, Sufjan Stevens, actually, super, like, especially Carrie and Lowell, man, that's such a good album. But again, okay. the stuff that doesn't sound like me, I don't know. The stuff that I take in, I don't know exactly... Um, what makes its way through in terms of, like, um, noticeable influences, you know. But those are probably my top top bands at this point.
0: Okay, that's cool. I, I get a lot of 80s vibe yeah, from what that, you're doing. And I, that, I think that just has to do, sometimes, like, we all get confused on a genre based on, like, a certain instrument that starts to become more pronounced. Mm-hmm. And because you do have some of those synthesizers and you use a lot of those effects mm-hmm. um, in your compositions, it, Immediately starts to remind me of some of the '80s music yeah, that yeah. I love, and you have kind of a backbone also that I would put in there, where your your melodies, um, and your chords are are like pretty, but you have a you have a a backbone of a beat, mm-hmm. in what you play as well, which I think is a really neat mixture. Cool, and yeah. is that
1: is that intentional when you're when you're doing that or? Um, well, when you say like a backbone of a beat, could you elaborate on that a little bit? Like, yeah,
0: maybe? so it's something that you can. If you were to take away your drum
1: track, mm-hmm. I don't know how well you could like dance yeah. to the music. That's that's fair. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, that's that's probably true. Um, especially in like you said, you know, the, the '80s influence is definitely something I'm aware of. That's that's something that wasn't totally intentional, but it just kind of emerged as I was doing stuff and being a kid from the '80s. Um, there's definitely a ton of that there. Like so, like I like Tears for Fears a lot. You know, some okay. of that stuff comes through. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my I would almost say guilty pleasure, but I'm not guilty about it at all. But the soundtrack for the original nineteen eighties Transformers animated motion picture. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> it's, okay. it's so cheesy, but it's like over the top eighties, just like synths and like wailing guitars and stuff like that. So there's there's that stuff in the mix too. That's probably what's coming out. <laughs> um but yeah, I know what you mean. So I guess what um to answer your question. Um, a lot of the sounds I use tend to be a little on like guitars and synths tend to be a little bit more sustained or kind of ethereal and those are Mm -hmm. kind of adding a vibe and they're adding a harmonic structure, but they're not like, like funk guitar or something where that's actually establishing the rhythm. Yeah. A lot of that comes from like the, um, the drums or like the drum machines a lot of the time. Yeah. So yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. Um, I don't know if that's intentional again, but like it's something I'm aware of. It's just kind of the way it's gone.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. And it probably comes from, too, like, I also really like ambient music. So a lot of time when I'm composing, I'll be doing stuff that's just, like, really washy with lots of delay and lots of reverb and just, like, kind of getting feelings out of that. Yeah. But when it's time to make a song, you know, you need to have a beat, you need to have structure, you need to have some degree of drive. Uh, Not everybody just wants to listen to, um, you know, spacey reverb all the time. Yeah. So I try to find, like, kind of a middle ground where I can take those tones that I really like from ambient stuff um, but put it into a song context that's a little bit more exciting, a little bit more driving.
0: Yeah. Well, you do an excellent job of that. For sure, because I, I mean, I like both of those, those types of music as well, mm-hmm. and cool. and the heavy duty, uh, synth stuff from the eighties with the wailing guitars because yeah, <laughs> it was just a lot
1: of fun. It is fun, a lot of fun. So, what do you do when you write your songs? Like, how does that look? Oh yeah, that that can be weird. So what I, what I usually do is I'm always playing music just to kind of like chill out. Like if I can't sleep, it's really common for me to go into my studio at like two in the morning and just. Um, just improvise on the piano for, like, you know, 30 Mm. minutes until I kind of chill out a little bit, and um, usually I've got my phone or my watch with me, and if I get an idea that I like, you know, it's going to be very loose and very unstructured, but I'll just capture it in, like, 30 seconds of it. Um, Or if I'm just sitting in the living room playing with my effects pedals, uh, similarly, I'll capture little snippets of things, um, and then I accumulate those, and then I listen back to them, and eventually, like, I'll kind of pull out the parts that I think have promise, Mm -hmm. and then I'll either, like, re-instrument them on something, re-implement them on a different instrument, or... Sometimes I even take the original thing and treat it as a sample to kind of like chop and, um, put into a sampler, like in Logic or something and play okay. with. Um, so they really do kind of originate in those loose, like kind of, um, more ambient improv-y kind of things. And then I build them out from there. Uh, and I kind of like, it's really fun because I get to like listen back to what I did on in the spur of the moment and then try and figure out like, well, what chords could that imply? Like what, where can you go from that while still retaining the vibe? Um, beyond that it becomes more structured and more like well now i need a verse and chorus you know i need some chords i need a beat i need lyrics Um, but the inception usually comes from something really um, kind of improvised and in the moment like that okay are you just recording your stuff all the time then yeah (laughs) like i have i have like folders with probably approaching like a hundred little seeds of ideas at any given time and i'm Again, like I, I I have trouble sleeping a lot, so a lot of times when I when I can't sleep, I'll just like put those in my headphones and just listen to them on loop and see what pops out to me. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm always kind of just accumulating little tidbits, and then eventually the ones that stick around kind of turn into full songs. That's cool. I dig
0: it. And you can probably do this in your house at night in the middle of the night too, because you can play on headphones and it's not too
1: yeah <laughs> jarring <laughs> right. because your your setup is that way with the electronic end. Mm-hmm. Well, and actually I, I have a I have a studio too that's like isolated from my house. Mm. So I can go out there and actually play, like I've got an acoustic piano. And oh, uh, cool. And most of my composition actually happens on that piano. Um, and then it ends up being translated in synths or guitars or something like that. Um, but I do really like improvising on the piano because you can, you know, you've got two hands, so you can do like a chord structure and a melody at the same time. Yeah. Um, which, you know, you can do that with other stuff too, but it's just a lot easier to do, I think, on the piano. Like, Is that the um, instrument that you were trained on primarily? Not primarily, but first, yeah, when okay. I was when I was young, um I would say, like in probably like twelve or something like that, my oh, okay. mom, uh my mom and dad made me take piano lessons, and i I absolutely hated them for it. I had no <laughs> desire to do it. I did it for about three years, and um i did not take to it like i did it a lot and i learned like i learned a bunch of disney songs and stuff like that because so, so like the age i was at i learned like aladdin and the lion king okay uh, those kind of things right on um, so i learned how to read sheet music i learned how to play the piano um, but i didn't learn how to improvise or how to write or into any theoretical underpinnings of it okay so then that that kind of went away for years and then when i was later in my teenage years i picked up guitar and i got into like punk rock okay so i was just like banging out power chords and stuff like that um Sweet. Who who was, who was the punk rock bands that you were listening to then? Oh, that was stuff like, uh, no effects and bad religion. Okay. uh, And like this kind of SoCal skate punk, like political punk kind of stuff like that. Oh, right on. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I had a phase that where I was like, you know, young and angry and energetic and, Mm -hmm. uh, was doing punk band stuff, but eventually that kind of melted away. I got better at guitar and I started playing piano again. Um, and so like, even though I wasn't into it at the time, I'm really in retrospect glad that my mom made me do that mm-hmm. you know because like it gave me that like i could reach music or i know like how i just had a, a, an underpinning of um or say, foundation of like how music works right yeah beyond just the guitar fretboard um so that really opened things up for me and then i like independently started taking taking lessons like i took um a bunch of guitar lessons and and vocal lessons and stuff like that over the years just you know to kind of build stuff out and then kept playing in different bands and yeah, like a decade later, here we are. (laughs) And then how did you
0: decide to just create your own solar project? What is, what was the impetus there? If you were playing with a bunch of other
1: people? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, um, so I was in a couple of bands and I was in one band in particular in Florida for like many years. I had some really good friends in and anybody who's been in bands knows that it can be kind of a shit show in terms of (laughs) like finding people. Like imagine you just want to start a band. Suppose you don't know anybody and Mm -hmm. you're just like, what are you going to do? You're going to go on Craigslist. It's like almost as bad as like being single and getting on Tinder or something like that. You meet up with people, you have no idea what their background or expectations or skill levels are. And, um, and then you just have to assemble people. And like, I was fortunate enough to find like a really, after many misfires (laughs) and like not great situations, I found Mm -hmm. like a really good core group that I loved playing music with. That was awesome. That was a couple of years. And then eventually I left to go back to school and I moved to Idaho and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just didn't want to do that again because like, yeah. you know, if you get lucky, it's great. If you don't, which is probably the majority of the time, it's almost more, I don't want to say it's more work than it's worth, but there's just, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a job, I'm super busy and I, I wanted to make music, but I didn't want to have to deal with all that stuff. Yeah. So like my current project started out entirely in a recording context. I was just like, well, I play mm. these instruments, um, and I'm missing doing music, I don't want to make a band, but I can make an album. So I did that. Okay. Um, my first album under this name, um, well, actually, I had a different name back then, but it, it there's continuity of those songs. I still play those songs. It um, was, was like no intentions of playing live at all. It was just me by myself. And then I quickly realized, you know, when you're like in a new town, um, you're coming out with an album or whatever, you're not playing shows, it's pretty hard to get people to pay attention to that. Right? Yeah. Um, so that combined with, um, yeah, it was mostly just like not not finding a way to promote effectively uh, and then I kind of started to think about it um figured out a way to take on like a looping structure um so that, yeah. so like that's where I arrived at is like I do live looping and I play like I would say 85 to 90 percent of the instruments you hear live in mm-hmm. when I do a live performance there are backing drum tracks because I can only do so much but yeah um, yeah so um I kind of embarked on this big project to create the software and create the system, you know, get all the right effects, um, connected and that itself was like a fun project for me. Cause like I'm an engineer. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that's those, it kind of married the two things that I like to do. Like, um, I'm an electrical engineer and I'm also really into music. So this was just like the, the point where those converge. Right. And it, it almost was like a challenge. I was like, could I do this? I think I could do this. Um, so I was just seeing if it would happen. And then like, um, I think like nine months after I decided, I was kind of trying to do the looping thing, um, from like, the concept to my first gig was about nine months oh wow um and then i played about eight shows over the next year or so and then pandemic happened Oh, uh, yeah. so like yeah i was kind of just getting off the ground you know i was i was doing well and i had fun getting out there but um like like everybody else who had plans right yeah 2020 all got kind of cut short so yeah that's the quick recap of where i came from
0: <laughs> right on why well, that that ingenuity is pretty impressive and i totally get that with playing with other musicians it's the way I, I liken it too is when I try to explain it to people, it's like imagine that instead of having like one person that you're dating, yes, like you're dating like several people all mm-hmm. at the same time, and like if people don't get along, it's really difficult to to maneuver the personalities when you have a, a group of people. It, Whereas it absolutely is yeah. if you have the instrumental background, like you do, and you can fill in all of those parts because I can
1: imagine you can probably play some bass guitar, mm-hmm. and if you yeah. needed to, some drums. Right. To, yeah, and, and I, to I've get done those that, in. Done that a little bit, and it, not to not to say it isn't really fun to play with other people. And honestly, I, I do miss it. Uh, but I also really enjoy the freedom to um, approach things from like a higher level of comp, not higher level in the sense that it's better. Like I don't mm-hmm. want to make a value judgment on it. Yeah. Um, but like I, like I was saying, like I can sit down in the middle of the night and like kind of come up with a structure of chords and melody. Uh, on the piano, yeah, and then I have the freedom to go be like, well, maybe this part's going to be bass guitar, maybe this part's going to be a synth, maybe this part yeah. remains, remains piano, maybe this little melody becomes the vocals, and not to say you can't do that with a band, but when you do have a band and everybody's got their own stake, you know, some people are going to be like, well, I want to play this or I want to play that, and so there's pluses and minuses, right? Because you get yeah. a plus of like additional creative input, which can also be great, but it's also fun to be able to just be like, this is what I'm going to do, and I have the freedom to. Really tweak it to make it like interlock in a way that is hard to do with a bunch of different people.
0: Yeah, just creative projects in general can get that way. I think as, mm-hmm. as soon as you get so many people involved, I mean, it's not even necessarily an aspect of it's kind of ego. I think a little bit, but at the same time, like people need to make sure that they are valued, and so like somebody's ego ends up kind of like coming up in certain instances and maybe mm-hmm. not in others, and it's it's just a struggle. Yeah, you know, absolutely. sometimes. Yeah. But when you get that when you get that perfect thing together. It always is so amazing. Sure. Yeah, that's a bummer that that <laughs> fell apart. But at the same time, like I'm glad that you're here and you were able to come in and play the studio because right, I think what yeah. you're doing is is super unique. Oh, thanks. Um, and
1: obviously dig the '80s vibe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the cool dude. thing too about like you know the the internet age that we live in is too is, is you can still collaborate with people remotely. So like, I mean, the last EP came out with was called "The Wooden Palace," which is actually. Um, A split EP between me and one of the guys I was in that great band with, you know. Okay. Um, So like, you know, he's doing solo producer stuff now too, and so um, even though like most of my songs, like I said, they're mostly me, like I still do like to collaborate with people. And even if I have a song where it's like I did everything, sometimes I'll be like, well, hey, um, Landon, go put a guitar solo on that one, or like, hey, Ben, can you drop some slide guitar on this one? Mm -hmm. So there's little sprinklings of other people in there, which is still really fun to make it not just so 100% me. You know, a little bit of difference is fun too. Um, Yeah, so that that's in there too. Right on, right on. And so you have gigs coming up, correct, or nothing? I I don't have anything on on the books right now. But you are working on an EP. Uh, Actually, yeah, I'm working on an LP. Well, it depends on... LP, excuse me. Yeah, so I've got, um, I guess, like 11 songs that are basically in the can that are going to be coming out over the course of 2022. Okay. Um, Yeah, I'm going to cap it off with like a full-on album release. There's actually going to be probably a a book to go with it, an illustrated book. Uh, oh, who's drawing? It's it's an artist named Justin Buss. and oh, he's, cool. He's super cool. He's, he's local. Uh, he did art for a couple of my singles. Uh, there's two songs. One's called Settle and one's called Diagonal Lines. But he did art for those. Uh, I really like his style. So we're working together on that. Um, but they're going to be coming out over the course of the year. So if you, you know, Smash, like, and subscribe and all that stuff. <laughs> Follow me on socials. I'm on all that stuff. Um, you'll, you'll know what's happening. But yeah, new stu- a lot of new stuff coming in the next year. And there will be gigs. I just don't have anything right now. Right on. And I, we had an interesting discussion
0: while you were setting up about uh, the fact that the way music gets released now is just different.
1: Right, yeah. And
0: so you were saying that you had an idea of you're going to be throwing these singles out maybe a little bit at a time. But then at the
1: same time have it be a part of a cohesive unit yeah exactly so it'll be kind of like there there there's an end goal of having the whole album out but like the um the songs that can stand alone the most i think will come out individually you know spaced out by like six to eight weeks apart Mm -hmm. um and there's probably gonna be stuff associated with that, like maybe some videos or something. But we'll see. We'll see how much of that I actually follow through with. That's a lot of work. But yeah, so it'll be kind of trickled out, and then ultimately the the full album will be released with you know additional songs and everything in its place in the structure. So I think that's a cool idea. Yeah. I mean, how did you, did you come up with that? Did you see somebody else do something similar to that? Um, you know, I, I don't want to say I came up with it because I'm sure tons of people have done it, but it's it emerged out of me just really liking albums. Like um, this is kind of like a conversation I have with my wife a lot, where she's a shuffle person and I'm like, no, there's an oh. order, there's an order for a reason. <laughs> uh, and you know, of course, there's there's merits to both, but like I really like um, albums where there's like clear intention of like yeah. a flow and a pacing and stuff like that, and you listen to it front to back. Mm-hmm. So I like to make stuff that, and like I consider that when I'm writing songs. But on the other hand, everybody these days, and rightly so. Uh, is like, well, you know, if you're an up and coming, relatively unknown artist, every release you have is, it's is like, it's one of your shots. It's one of your shots to get attention, to get publicity and stuff like that. Yeah. So if you come out with like an 11 song album, you have one shot for 11 songs. Whereas if you come out with like six or seven songs individually, you get six or seven shots and then you can cap it off with an album release. So people have something to buy yeah, or something to hold and say like, this is the album. And that's where you can deliver the structure and the overall narrative. Um, so it just was kind of like the – it seemed like a reasonable middle ground between what I wanted to do and what reality uh, is having everybody everybody do these days because um, everybody is who who is doing well tells me to do singles. So that's, mm. that's what I was trying to fold into my approach.
0: Yeah, it's that attention like you don't want to fall off of people's radar because it takes a year, two, three to create an entire LP. And yeah, then, yeah, it's a lot of work. And then in the background. But that's that's cool. So are you going to be working on something else, do you think, while you're – after you finish this LP and then slowly start like feeding it out mm-hmm. to the population, do you think you'll
1: be working on something else in the background during that time? Yeah, I do have some plans for what's coming next, and um, you know, to your point, it does take a long time, so I should probably get started on those. <laughs> um, I, I really want to, but but personally, like I, my my favorite thing about doing music, uh, more than playing live or releasing stuff, is just getting in my studio and. Making all the pieces fit together and writing and recording the stuff. Oh, okay. So I always have to push myself a little bit away from that because if, if left to my own devices, I'll just keep doing that. You know, you have yeah. to get out there and release it and promote it. So I'm gonna try and like keep my focus on getting this stuff out there while having some stuff on the back burner um yeah. progressing as well. But yeah. So it's gonna be a, a split, I guess, between those two things. Tough juggle. Yeah. <laughs> Tough juggle. What's the
0: the theme? You were talking about themes for LPs. Do you wanna disclose the theme for the one that you have now? Is it like a
1: Yeah, um is it's, it an idea theme? Is it like a lyrical theme? Both. It's so it's like everybody who has been recording music over the twenty twenty period. It's you know it's definitely related to the stuff we've been going through. Yeah. Um, it kind of oscillates between a, a happy and a, a completely bleak look at what we've been going through. Okay. But um, I guess if I had to say what the angle is, it's kind of like the comfort that comes through in it, and the moments that that don't feel bleak um, are kind of rooted in a in a happy nihilism, I guess. Okay. Where you can be like, oh, everything's super fucked up, but it doesn't mean anything except what you choose it to mean. So that kind of makes it okay. So you can kind of take that either way. Like, mm. I would say like, if you're somebody who's predisposed to think of things in a kind of an absurd, nothing matters kind of way, you can you can just listen to it and be like, oh yeah, that can kind of see that there's some, some levity in this. But maybe if you're not that kind of person, it might be kind of dark. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, that's good. I mean, I think the quality art has a certain like Rorschach,
0: presence to it mm-hmm. yeah. you know if, if you're looking for what the specific message is I feel like you know the artist should be like a channel into somebody's inner psyche more so than you know the art getting into that artist's psyche well I guess it's more of a two-way street you know mm-hmm. but that's that's super cool that's super cool so pandemic hit you got excited about this music uh or excuse me probably not maybe not necessarily excited <laughs> about this music but at the same time like it, it was a, it was a driving force like overall like how was
1: that Yeah, I mean, it was it wasn't too bad for me. It was it was definitely a lot easier on me than it was a lot of people. Like, I had job stability and I had um, like stability with my like living situation. So that that's um, something I'm very grateful for. Um, I did have like my original plan before pandemic was that 2020 was the year. You know, like I I mentioned, I was kind of just ramping up my gigging before that was that was the year I was going to start playing out of town. I was really going to get on the road. Okay, of course that didn't happen. Um, So I was just kind of trying to make the best of. you know the time that I had, and if I was going to be stuck in my studio for months, like, well, okay, I'm going to do something. You know, uh, so it, it turned out okay. Like, it was it was rough at the time, but um, I'm I'm actually really proud of the way everything turned out. Like, um, I'm sure a lot of people will relate to this, but most of the time when I undertake a creative project, there's there's this, these big peaks and valleys where like you have the concept and you're like, oh, it's going to be so so great, and it's just this is going to be the coolest thing I've ever done. You start getting to the execution and you start to like lose some of that shimmer you know you get yeah. into the weeds and you're like oh this isn't working out or that's not working out and then you usually it comes back around and you've got your final product and you're like well that's pretty good i, I like it i like it again. and for mm-hmm. me it's usually at that point where like i'm proud of it and it turned out well but there's a, still a little disconnect between you know like the abstracted ideal you wanted and so far you know i'm not quite across the finish line yet but i'm very close so far this one um this one's meeting my expectations, which oh wow is really awesome. <laughs> know, so meets expectations. That doesn't sound like a good review, but you know what I'm saying. You know, like I, had, I had goals, and I feel like I, I'm really achieving what I wanted to, so I'm super excited to share this music. That's awesome. That's, I was actually
0: having this discussion with my brother. We make films together, and the idea of a, an artist and a creative person's struggle is to take whatever idea you have in your head And execute it so that other people can see it, hear it, absorb it in the most objective way. Mm -hmm. And it's just, that's all you battle with. Mm -hmm. Like, that is the battle, I feel like. And then the more repetitions you get through it, the closer you get to that final thing being exactly what you're hearing in your head or seeing in your head or
1: whatever. Right, right. Yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. I mean, yeah. well, I, I hope so. We'll see. You know, like we'll see how everybody else feels about it. But so far, like, yeah, I'm I'm quite quite excited and satisfied with how it's coming out. So that's that's I, I, cool for me. <laughs> the other the other thing I wanted to
0: mention too is I feel like this this pandemic, as far as in, in the creative community, as bad as it was, like if there was a certain safety net that that people had at that time, like that time, I don't know. To me, like it suddenly became. I realized the value of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas before because everybody's so busy and taking so many things for granted like that downtime um wasn't correctly valued.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's and it's always a struggle, you know, with your like real life grown-up responsibilities and and plenty of other things that are good too, like you know, mm-hmm. your social interactions, your friends, all things that are fun. Um but like if you really have big projects you want to do, you got to find time to carve that away. Yeah. So as as rough as isolation and lockdown was, um it was an opportunity. And that's something, like, I find myself struggling with, too, like, between uh, playing shows, which is a lot of fun, and doing the recording projects, you know. Um, But they're also quite different. So for me, like, trying to maintain both at the same time, I kind of go in phases where it's like, okay, I'm going to play a lot of shows, not really going to write too much. Then kind of not try to get shows and knock out some writing. This was a period to just, like, not even have the pressure of that decision, right, you know, just just to make a bunch of stuff, which, yeah, which is fun. I enjoy it. That's awesome, and so you probably
0: have a backlog then too of some stuff that you can pull on, mm-hmm. pull out for the for the next project
1: or. Oh or whatever. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got <laughs> I've got all sorts of plans uh, that real life. You know, there's just not enough time in the day. Like <laughs> if um, if I could just do this full time, I have so much more stuff coming out. But you know, it's a balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to get in front of
0: people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's ultimately probably where you'll sell the most albums and get that word of mouth. I would right. imagine. Right. Yeah. Um, So, turning your ideas from, like you said, uh, recording, which is your initial passion, Mm -hmm. um, into a live performance, what were some of the struggles that you ran into figuring out how to loop this? Because I was watching you play, and you even mentioned, because I was looking down at my soundboard, but my brother was running cameras, and he was like, I was watching you play things, and I couldn't hear it, and you're like, well, I was actually just playing it to get it ready to loop. So I was recording it silently and you right. couldn't hear it and <laughs> yeah. I was clicking it and I'm like, wow, that's a next level expertise that I'm not even familiar with hearing. But, uh, anyway, th- I was really impressed with that,
1: but can you kind of like talk about how you got there and some of the struggles that you're into? Sure. Sure. So when I, when I started this, um, the concept for me was that I wanted to, I, I kind of had some rules for myself, which I've relaxed on now, but initially the concept was that other than the drum, since I'm not really a drummer, and also, a lot of my drums are, into, are kind of electronic, like you're playing yeah. the kind of 80s electronic drum machine kind of stuff. And I place. like that too, because sometimes if you use the more realistic samples, right, yeah. it, it sounds fake. <laughs> yeah. Right. This is like, it's not trying to be real. So it mm. would, almost wouldn't make sense to have a drummer play it unless they were playing like an electronic kit. But yeah. anyway, I'm digressing. So I was kind of coming at it with the idea that anything that wasn't that, I had to record live. You know, I didn't want to play with any other tracks. So I had to find all these ways to – and when I'm recording by myself, you know, uh, I like to do layers. I like to have a bunch of different instruments and different tones and stuff. Okay. So it's a challenge to get all of that content into your looper without making the audience wait a very long time for you to build up those loops, right? Yeah. So I was trying to find ways to kind of get to the punch quicker. And uh, one of those things that I, I did is what you're pointing out is where like um, – I will be playing stuff in advance that's actually silent or that's just in my in-ear monitors so, that, so I can hear it, but you can't hear it. It's mm-hmm. so like if I'm saying playing the first verse of a song um, after I've established the, the instrumental parts for the verse, those just start repeating themselves and I'll be silently recording instrumental parts for the chorus because the chorus is probably going to get bigger. It might have like two, three, or four layers. So I might be doing something on the piano that you can't even hear, but mm-hmm. it's I'm, I'm getting that ready and locked into a loop that will then play once we get to the next part. Um, because I didn't want the the looping implementation to impact my in, my song structure right because that's that's its own thing song structure is is very important and you know pacing things so that things uh, maintain interest and you you have enough differentiation of new parts coming in and stuff like that yeah um, I didn't want to blow all my songs out to like eight or ten minutes long because I had to build up all the parts so I found ways to creatively kind of like tuck things behind other things do them silently yeah um, and then just you hear it when you need to hear it but I might be kind of getting ahead it's almost like i'm buffering you know like yeah like you're, you're streaming video back in dial up you know like you would have to wait for the buffer to get ahead and it's got to stay ahead of where you're actually watching yeah or bad things happen so it's kind of like that right on
0: and uh besides that was there any other difficulties that you had with like writing the software and like yeah. creating the actual because that's that's pretty impressive that you had to or you didn't have to but you decided to write right your own program to yeah. be able to deal with the looping, and that's one thing that I find frustrating when I'm um, trying to do live looping. I think that's why a lot of people end up going with like a, a, a boss system, mm-hmm. like a pedal system, or something because it just it it's it's intuitive,
1: mm-hmm. whereas the software can get tricky. Right. But you just yeah, I just wrote ended up your own my own <laughs> software. Um, which that, yeah, I mean, if we're listing challenges, that was probably the biggest one okay. <laughs> I didn't even, I had never even used the software language that I ended up using when I started the project. It just was like, that seems appropriate, so I'll learn it. Oh, okay. Um, so I learned it as I built this. And it's funny, like, if I go back into the pieces of my software that I wrote at the very beginning, it looks awful. <laughs> like, I'll look at it now with a little bit more expertise and be like, why did you do that? And, um, like, I actually got into a chunk of the code that I hadn't looked at for quite a while. Um. Uh, a couple months back and I left a little note to myself because you can, you know, you comment code uh, Yeah, and there's a little note in there that says, this is dangerous. Don't do this. And I'm like, Oh shit. This is me from the past saying I should have fixed this and I never fix it, but you know, it's not broken. <laughs> it's working. Um, so I didn't fix it. That's still there. <laughs> but yeah, so I um, just to kind of like explain what I'm doing um, I'm using a visual software programming language called pure data. Okay. Um, which is free and open source. So if you want to mess with it, you can just you know Google Pure Data. You can download it on whatever platform uh, you want, Mac or PC or, or Linux too, and uh, get started. And it's kind of the idea of it is that it's it's really great for building like modular synthesis type stuff. So you can put down oscillators, you can put down control okay. signals um, and keyboards and stuff like that. Um, but there's enough logic and there's enough open ended stuff in there that you can also you know do what I'm doing, which is primarily like a looping and uh, control system kind of thing. So, like, my looping software also switches the presets on, like, all my pedals and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, that was a big challenge. Originally, I wrote it for a little synthesizer called an organelle. It's a little blue box. Um, okay. Because I was trying to run without a laptop. Um, but I quickly exceeded the the technical capabilities of that thing. I, I played three shows with that little box, and it crashed so much. Oh. Uh, it never crashed during a show, but, like... Well, that's my, lucky. Yeah. My second show, it crashed three times during sound check which really didn't put me in a good headspace for the actual show. It didn't crash during the show, but I was freaked out enough that it probably... Oh, yeah. So I migrated over to a a MacBook, and that's where I'm at now. Um, But yeah, and I did that just because... Or the reason I did my own software is because there there are alternatives, like you're talking about. Like, the pedals didn't have enough capabilities. Ableton Live is what everybody's like, why didn't you just use that? And I feel like there's probably a good chance I could pull off at least most of what I'm doing with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are some things that I just couldn't find software that existed that did what I wanted to do. Um, so for example, like we were talking about like little tricks I do to kind of get the loops built ahead of time. Like yeah. one thing I can do, for example, is if I if I record a loop, I can actually have it scripted to like chop, chop that loop up and reorder the stuff within the loop or extend it or stretch it out and stuff like that. So you're still hearing stuff that I've played, but it's been internally rearranged or, or stuff like that. Oh, um, Like say, say like I, I record loop A mm-hmm. or loop B, and then I need loop C, which has like content, the same chords as loop A and B, but in a different order. I can pull from those loops and construct a new loop, just out of those parts. So stuff like that, I couldn't find software that would do it. Are you doing that just with your foot? That is scripted. So like it's that's in in my song structure. Where like once I go into the song, okay, like, okay. As long as I've played the correct stuff at the right time. It will pull it together, and you're still hearing stuff that I've played, but not necessarily exactly as. I've oh, played
0: it. yeah, so you can't you can't find anything that does anything like that. That's right. wow.
1: And so that's what I'm saying, where I've kind of relaxed on my rules because originally I was coming at this from like a kind of an old school guy in a rock band thing, where it's like I just want to play it live, man. That's, you uh, know, I I hate to say cheating because I don't think it's cheating, but for some reason I had this personal aversion to like mm-hmm. doing pre recorded stuff or stuff that's scripted like this. Um, but I found out from like my first couple gigs that uh, originally like none of that scripting was in there. I did have to do that all with my feet or, or stuff like that. Okay, um, and that was taking that was taking ninety percent of my focus. So like actually yeah. playing instruments and singing was like kind of an afterthought as to just running the ship, right? Yeah. And nobody gives a shit about that. Nobody cares if I pushed all the pedals in the right order. I mean, they care if I don't. Yeah. But nobody's there to just watch me run a control system. They want to see me perform music. Mm-hmm. You just so, be a DJ exactly. That, so I, that, a- I I kind of reached this point where i was comfortable with it and just saying like you know i'll put the the control sequences into the software it's built in because that's how the songs go yeah. i'm still playing the music it's just capturing the moments and putting them in the right order on its own um which let, lets me be a lot more present with the music which is what you should be right yeah i mean that's the point of playing live i guess right <laughs>
0: exactly exactly that's what people people pay to see right on um well where do people follow you? You said you're on Instagram.
1: Yeah, I'm on Instagram and reluctantly on Facebook and I know they're both the same thing, but (laughs) Instagram is kind of my primary platform. So if you look up um, endlessatlas.music, I'm on there. Um, Bandcamp? Are you? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm on on Bandcamp as well. Um, Bandcamp's great. Um, But yeah, if you want to kind of stay up to date with the new stuff that's, that's happening with me, Instagram and Facebook are probably the best ways. And, um, okay. Yeah. And stuff will show up on Bandcamp, but not, you know, not like daily stories. Um, mostly pictures of my dog and the bunnies live in my backyard and stuff like that. But yeah, there's music. It's no, there's music stuff when music stuff is happening too. So cool. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for coming out, Dale. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Great set. And,
0: uh, looking forward to hearing the LP when it comes out. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to treasure Valley podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please talk about it incessantly to those around you. Anyone who will listen because podcasts are spread by a word of mouth.